0: Even though it's been 50 years, probably since I've seen them, I was 12 years old and I spent the summer with my mom's parents in Elba, Alabama. You'll find that on a map in the southeast corner of Alabama, pretty close to the Florida border. And I was introduced to Rayfield and Hattie Bell Carpenter. Their parents were sharecroppers and Rayfield was a cotton farmer. And my grandparents lived just up the road. My mom and my aunt would tell me that Raphael would come up at harvest time and help my grandfather, maybe come up and help him slaughter a hog. And I kind of wondered why he would do that, because my grandfather was so prejudiced. But he really did like Raphael. I guess he liked him because Raphael was a kind person and overlooked my grandfather's Awful, wrong thinking. But my grandmother absolutely adored Hattie Bell. They would get together often and they they would cook and do laundry together and just talk. And after my grandfather died, Hattie Bell would always come up and help my grandmother with wash and and various chores. The carpenters had 12 children that grew up in this little tiny rundown shack, just like you might see in, in pictures They were poor, but I remember that the children who were still living in the home were very happy and joyful and smiling. And I played with them a few times. And mom told me that 11 of those children grew up. They were they were educated. They were successful in life. And the 12th, the youngest, had special needs. And so she lived in the home with her parents until their death. Mom said that all of the children were Christians. So we're celebrating motherhood today. And so I wanted to give that tribute to Hattie Bell Carpenter and that family because they did it right. The family in America is in trouble. And while there are many strong families in this country and many in this church, there are many others who are hurting. But there's hope. Marriage, children and family are God's ideas. So I'm optimistic because I know that God... Wants to preserve what he created, the family unit. It says in Genesis 128. And God blessed them. And God said to them, the first family, our parents, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God just finished creating our first parents and he gave them here in this verse. The first commandment given to human beings to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And I would venture a guess to say that is the one command that human beings have done pretty good job at. There are about eight billion people in the earth right now. So start a family. Have kids. While that's not God's will for everyone, it is for most. But before God spoke about government, government. Law, religion, health, work, even sports. God talked about the family. The family is God's priority. His creation. Many years passed since the creation of Adam and Eve and that first family and and their problems that manifested themselves in Cain and Abel. Now God gave birth to a new nation. The nation of Israel, who would be his people, who would represent him, God, in all the earth. So all the other nations of the earth could know God. So this people, God's people, were camped just outside the promised land. They were ready to go into the land and live in the land that God had given them. Before they would be able to settle in, they would have to fight the current inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites who were a very ungodly and evil people who sacrificed their own children to demons. God had promised their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, that he would give this land to their descendants. And he did. So what would happen once they settled in? Would life be easy? Would it be nice and cozy for them? Would their success actually harm their relationship with God? So God wanted them to have family solidarity. And Moses spells that out in Deuteronomy chapter six. My text this morning is verses one through 15. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord, your God, commanded me, Moses, to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, And cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God. You shall fear him. You shall serve by his name and shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you, for the Lord, your God, in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord, your God, be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. So is God interested in the family? Absolutely, he is. He wants fathers and mothers, sons and daughters and grandchildren to thrive. And God still wants that today. And so he gives Moses here four ways to thrive spiritually. I believe that these same four principles are for today as well. Four verbs. Our culture is very much like the Canaanite culture, which they came into. While our culture is confused about what the family is, God isn't. Let's look at those four things. The first, hear the truth continually hear the truth continually verse four. this verse begins the Jewish prayer that was recited by Jewish people every day called the Shema the first word of the Shema was the Hebrew word for to hear these verses form the foundation of the Jewish faith it means that the Lord God is totally unique he alone is God And that gave them a sense of security. The gods of the land, the gods of the people of whom they were taking over the land could not provide that because they were unpredictable and morally evil. A pagan worshiper could never be certain that his loyalty to one God wouldn't arouse the anger of another God. But the Jews were monotheists. One God, one true and living God. So they would know clearly what the one God expected. And so they could be certain about life. Strong families are God centered. They lean hard into unshakable truths. The Lord is one. We acknowledge his lordship over our lives. We acknowledge his presence in our lives, his uniqueness, his place and right to rule over us. We seek his will. We endeavor to walk in his ways according to his word. Parents, your role is to make sure in your house we will serve the Lord. To tell your children God is first in this home and we trust him without reservation. He is utterly reliable, powerful and perfect. And families who continually hear that stand. They don't float aimlessly on the cultural seas. They are anchored in the rock and that rock is Christ. The second word that God gives them through Moses is to love the Lord fervently. Love the Lord fervently. We see that in verses five and six. And as I read that, you probably recognize that from the New Testament. Jesus quoted this verse. When asked, what is the greatest commandment? He quoted Deuteronomy six, verse five and six to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul and might. All what a challenge to us today. Our example to our children is to love God with the totality of our being. Jesus said that's the most important thing that you can do. We, we can't be Sunday-only variety Christians. Our challenge is to be fervent and unshakable in our faith. I can't just tell my kids, you should love God, and then not demonstrate it. I can't tell my children, be honest, if I'm not honest. That they'll see the discrepancy of my life and realize I'm a hypocrite. I can't tell them... Child, you need to go to church and learn about God. If I don't go, we must model the truths that we believe about God. If we love God, they will see it in our lives. I believe that you love your child the best by loving God the most. And then love your spouse second. That will provide a certain and secure environment for your child. Thirdly, teach them diligently. Teach them diligently. Verses 7 through 9. So, modeling behavior is the very best way to teach, but we also need to use words too. And that word teach suggests repetition. So, repeating stories and facts over and over again to your child. Repetition is the mother of all learning. I need to hear truths many times so it sinks in and I remember it. So start when they are young with the Bible bedtime stories. Use meal times and bedtime again for prayer to talk with God. Our church buys a subscription to Right Now Media. Everyone in our church could have access to that. It's a library full of Christian material for adults and children. If you don't know anything about this, call the church office and, and get on board with Right Now Media. It'd be a great help to you. Our Sunday school department, Wednesday night, junior church. These, these are ministries we offer to supplement your important role of teaching your children about God. We're to diligently teach. It uses that phrase and that Hebrew word for diligent means to sharpen. It implies being aggressive and assertive, cutting off the rough edges of your child. Kids don't learn by osmosis or by accident. Have a plan, parents. Use all life situations and circumstances to teach your child about God. It's absolutely nonsense to say, well, I'm not going to say much to my child about God. I'm going to let them grow up to be an adult and figure it out for themselves. Believe me, the world will have its clutches in your child long before they're an adult. We talk about football or or what's for supper. Why not talk about spiritual things? And the word talk there does not mean a lecture or an address. It's casual, everyday talk. So I hope you can see by that. That more learning about God takes place on Monday through Saturday than it does on Sunday. He says, when you do this, when you do that, lots of wins in those verses there. So that means all day during the day, all kinds of different circumstances. Those provide you opportunities to teach your child about God. This is a nice advantage of homeschooling. Because your kids are right there, and you have all these opportunities to teach them about God, and Christian schooling as well. God promises a payoff. Listen to Proverbs 6:20 20 through23. "My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you when you are awake. They will talk with you for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. It's saying that your children will grow up to be responsible adults. They will teach their children the lessons you taught them, that they'll be guided when they walk, protected when they sleep. They'll be encouraged when they're awake. Those are the dividends of diligently teaching your children about God. And the fourth thing that Moses mentioned here is to fear the Lord carefully. Fear the Lord carefully. Verses 10 through 15. God here promises to take care of his people, but he warns them to not forget about him. It's easy to forget about God when you're blessed and comfortable and everything's going your way. We become presumptuous and arrogant and entitled and indifferent. Who needs God? I have everything I need. Everything's going my way. How do I prevent that slide? By fearing God, which the book of Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When families maintain a healthy fear of God, selfishness and pride diminish. The right fear of God is to be in awe of God's power and holiness, holding him in the highest regard, worshiping him, not disobeying him. Maintaining a healthy fear of God in the home. God will honor you for that. He'll wrap an invisible shield of protection around you, keeping you from Satan's deadliest attacks That's why he warns them so ardently in verse 14 to not go after the other gods like money and pleasure and power and fame. Strong families remain strong because they fear the Lord. They don't want to disappoint him. While the family is becoming an endangered species, yours doesn't have to. I encourage you, families, put the word of God into practice. Every day in your homes. And God will honor you. Let's pray. Lord, once again, I want to pray for families, for parents. It's a tough job. And whereas many years ago, society and the educational system and sometimes even government would help or at least not hinder that pursuit but that's no longer the case in so many ways the Christian faith is under attack and so Lord we have to stand strong stronger than we ever have we have to band together and Lord I believe that, that church is just one means that you use to help families stay true to you and strong in their faith so I do pray that you have blessed the family unit bless Christian homes And then, Lord, compel us to share our faith with others so there would be other Christians. And so change could happen from the inside out. It would be a heartfelt change rather than depending on government to change things to make it better for us. Lord, help strengthen marriages and families today, I pray. In Jesus name. Amen.